The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. As a true football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will kiss his son on the mouth passionately, sometimes multiple times per day. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through, and if by almost halfway through, I mean a little bit past halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get into the game with my bookie because it's the premier place to bet on all of your favorite pro and college football action every single weekend. They got up-to-date lines. They got a ton of prop bets. They got all kinds of stuff, and if you're going to bet, you better do it smart, and smart means my bookie if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot try a parlay pick your locks for the week put them together in one parlay bet and when they all come through the rewards will be huge i know i told you guys to bet on losers last week hey bet on the 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 bengals to lose because you know that's gonna happen bet on the dolphins the redskins these teams that lose all the time well guess what the dolphins stumbled their way into a win so we didn't get that line but you can get a line if you bet some winners together and the best part is if you join right now my bookie will double your first deposit that's right if you put in a thousand they'll give you a thousand they'll double your first initial deposit and you can use on all your favorite picks Use the promo code CHAIR to activate the offer, C-H-A-I-R. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! was destined to suffer through all eternity. Zeus having punished him for stealing fire. Chained to a rock, he was subjected to the talons and beak of an eagle who torturously plucked out his liver each and every day. At night, his entrails were regenerated only to provide the object of the next day's feast. This is the fate of Steelers Nation in 2019. The torture, weekly torture, of awaiting our fate. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. This is Tom in Washington, D.C. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. It is November 4th, 2019, and specifically, I am back in the sawdust-strewn environs of the laundry room. Hopefully, the sounds give my desultory voice the reverberation that needs to not be annoying during this podcast. Anyway, great news. The Steelers beat the Colts 26 to 24. And Nick, while you, uh, while you jump in here, I'm going to take a look and see how many times we've scored 26 points. Well, I know we scored it once this year and it was good enough to get to 400, baby. I wanted, I put out this tweet and I wanted, uh, if we have any access to like print media or anybody wants to buy this headline from us, Steelers defeat Tomlin to move to 500 on the season. 
because this was a huge win for the Steelers, goes without saying, gets them to four and four. Uh, at the time of recording this podcast, the Patriots are going to kick off against the Ravens shortly. And if the Patriots win that game, I think that puts the Ravens at like five and four. So the Steelers just one game behind them. So huge victory. The Colts are a very good team. They, I believe, are actually second place in the AFC going into this game. They have excellent coaching. We talked about it all week. Frank Reich as their head coach, offensive mind. He worried me a lot, and we were proved to be correct in that worrying because the Steelers have shown the tendency to get abused a little bit by good offensive coordinators. But while I know Jacoby Brissett went down, Brian Hoyer is a totally capable backup, and the game was was messy, but – like this is a this is a huge victory. And we have a lot to dig into here because while while the Steelers pulled it out, I I don't think they really looked impressive all day. I think that the effort of a couple major star players really helped push the team over the edge. And of course, we have just a nasty taste in our mouth by the way the game ended it was an oddly unsatisfying victory despite how huge it was obviously Vinatieri misses wide left uh wide left I think on that 40 something yard field goal basically a chip shot in this day's NFL which was crazy deja vu flashing back to Mike Vanderjet the idiot kicker as called by Peyton Manning missing in that magical playoff run uh towards Ben's first Super Bowl in the 2005 season where Vanderjet missed a 40-something yard field goal to win that game, and the Steelers were able to advance to the AFC Championship game in a huge upset. Side note, this is what happens, Karma, when Peyton Manning has the NFL under his thumb because Vanderjet should have never had that opportunity to kick that field goal because we all know Troy Polamalu clearly picked off that ball with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. He not He didn't do one somersault on the ground he did two and then he got up and need the ball out of his own hands and instead of calling it a fumble they called an incompletion so to me i i feel no pain for you colts fans on that wide miss and any of you excuse if you were if you were bitching about that then guess what you deserve what you got but yeah it's a weird way to end the game as i ramble on here sorry but the the you know winning on a missed kick and then tomlin and company being so unaggressive on the last offensive drive going uh, basically resulting in what we all knew would be a three and out. And it was a three and out giving the Colts a chance to drive down the field, which they easily did. And then on that last defensive drive, his mind blowing mismanagement of challenges and clock where he basically threw the Steelers challenges into a trash can by challenging not one, but two pass interferences Tomlin is on the competition committee. He should know that they're like one for 38 NFL wide on those type of challenges. And after he lost the first one, he should have known maybe I should save some of these timeouts for our offensive draft. Nope. Threw them in the trash can. So I'm kind of all over the place here, but it was a very unsatisfying end to a game, but they're four and four and they found a way to get it done. And it's not going to be pretty when you don't have Ben. So we'll take it. Yeah. I'm the guy who always says to you, who cares about style points doesn't matter, but it is really frustrating to know we would have lost that game. If not for the missteps of Adam Vinatieri in this sunset of his, of right. his NFL career. And I'm also, you know, as predicted, I'm so frustrated with that last drive. We knew we were going to go into our tortoise shell. Yeah. Hopefully 
I don't know what we would hope for because the take away the 45 yard run by Terrell Edmonds and we were running about negative six yards a, a carry. Yeah. I mean, it was 24 for 45 yards. You could do the math. I can't write in my head, but you know, basically under two yards a carry. And that's how we were going to maintain that last drive. And of course we're going to get stuffed. That, that's very frustrating. I'd, I'd love to hear the, uh, and we'll never hear the explanation, but that's really frustrating to, to watch what was sort of, yeah. Not even playing not to lose. What was the reason behind that abs- abject conservatism? Yeah, and I, I, my guess would be that Tomlin knows that he has a very lackluster quarterback right now. We'll get into that a little bit more later. But my guess is it's sort of like what he did against the Ravens when he freaking kicked the ball <laughs> off in, in, in overtime to the Ravens, thinking that, hey, I have this quarterback. I just don't want him to lose the game. I'm going to have faith in my defense. They've held Indianapolis to 24 points, which would be funny in my mind because, to me, they didn't really stop the Colts the whole day. But – I don't mind you trying to run out the clock, but what I mind is you coming out with 10 offensive linemen onto the field or nine offensive linemen and then running straight at them and and basically telling them this is where we're going to go. This is where we're running and it's going to be a three and out and you're basically going to put Mason in a weird situation third and long where they sent all the receivers on long pass routes and the Colts brought a lot of pressure and there wasn't even really a guy like Mason has to know that there's a hot at that point, but there wasn't really anybody available for him to throw to on that drive. You hear, by the way, that's my girlfriend screaming in the background. The Seahawks are locked in a surprising battle with the, with the Buccaneers, but back to that offensive play calling. Um, you're right. There's no style points, but we do look at the decision-making and the tendencies of the team to see if we can project how they're going to perform in the future when they don't get bailed out. If you're going to run, come out in a different formation and, and use some sort of misdirection or get in shotgun with two receivers and then hand it off. Get in shotgun so you bring some of their small players out onto the field. When you come out there with all big offensive linemen, they're going to bring all their big def- their big guys there too. And it's just going to be a stalemate. It's not like you've been running all over them all day. And then with that, even with the pass play on third down, it's like, can you have somebody going short just in case they bring a crazy blitz? Rudolph didn't even have time to throw. So that's that's where I I think it was just a mistake by them. I don't care that you try to run out the clock, but just do it in a more creative way. Well, look, I, uh, I, I'm so frustrated with – NFL next gen stats. I mean, I use those because we're trying to see, you know, looking at Mason Rudolph and seeing how far he throws downfield. Unfortunately, the all 22 doesn't come out until Tuesday. So we can't really tell what's going on downfield, but we've seen enough of the pullback camera to know that there are guys open downfield and far be it from me, a non NFL quarterback to question him. But I mapped out this, sorry, that's very rambly. I mapped out his passing this game as, as it was occurring and he had, so Mason Rudolph, 26 for 34 for 190 yards, 12 passes that went past the five-yard line, and he completed one, two, three, four. Four passes of that entire, of, of 34, went past and were completed past five yards. Very frustrating. I mean, and he does have time. He has a great offensive line, and he seemed to be pretty composed back there. He watched, you know, he stood back in the pocket and I, I don't know. Can he not see downfield? Is there nobody really nobody's open? 
So if we want to talk about the Mason Rudolph, and we can get back into the Tomlin, because I wonder two more things on Tomlin after this, but we can cover the Mason Rudolph thing. I, I think that's because that's the feeling about this game. The defense they let the Colts move the ball the whole time, the whole game. The offense didn't move the ball at all, and it really starts with Mason Rudolph and Feetner and, and Tomlin being involved in that as well. And this season. The team is what it is, and Rudolph is just leaving much to be desired. And, and of course, he can still get better. He's barely played any games, so I'll, I'll keep giving that asterisk. But, like, how much of this is is him not being able to process quickly? Because that's one thing that I noticed from him. He goes back and shotgun, and he takes his time like he's a Ben Roethlisberger because Ben has that quality. When you watch him, you see the pocket collapse, and, you know, when he's younger, you're – you're screaming, you're getting nervous. And now he's, as he's older, you're kind of getting excited because you're knowing, Oh, a big play is probably going to come if he's able to navigate this. But Roethlisberger has an athleticism about him and he has an escapism, uh, escapability, maybe not so much at this point in his career, but Rudolph, when he's back there, it just all collapses on him. And he's so unathletic and lumbering and has no arm strength that every like, fraction of a second that he's wasting is a larger chance for an inter- interception because even Ben, if the, if the line is collapsing upon him, he might not be able to get his, like his feet and his whole body into a throw, but he has a strong enough armor. He's going to be able to make it Rudolph. If he can't step fully into the throw, it's a lollipop. What even on like a slant or a dig or anything. So we're seeing that every game from him. And I'm wondering how much of that is processing for him because the Colts don't have a good secondary. I don't think that they were locking Juju and Washington and Johnson down the whole game. He processes very slowly. He doesn't have an arm. So maybe he's seeing things downfield that other quarterbacks, when Rogers sees this, not, let me take Rogers out of there. Even when Kirk Cousins sees a guy who's particularly open, he knows he can rocket it in there. But Rudolph, he can't force the ball into that zone so he's just so limited physically that that's why i just think that there's a real cap on his ability as a quarterback in general and it's killing the offense because the defense knows that there's no threat of a downfield passing attack and they're able to tee off on the run game and it's been like that the whole year and i expected it to improve this game and it didn't and i'll I'll watch again next week but it's alarming. And how much of this do you think is him not processing it and not being able to rip it and Feetner calling too many screens and little cutesy plays and runs on second and 10? By the way, if you're watching the Steelers, if it's second and 10, I can promise you, go to mybookie.com and bet it's going to be a run because this idiot is the most predictable person ever. That's the worst play to call in a second and 10 situation. And he does it every time. And it's this peasant theory of which I'm pretty sure is like, oh, we didn't complete it on on, on first down. So uh, I need to get something. I need to get some kind of yard and make and make third and manageable. But no, what are you doing? It's just it's brutal. They both suck. One point eight seven five fat drunk stupid is no way to go to the NFL because that is the average run for the Steelers <laughs> if you take away the 45-yard by Terrell Edmonds. Oh, wow. And that yeah, defense wow. isn't even that good, and you're at home. Yeah, it's brutal. This is not uh, – so that's why it sucks. Like, we won the game. It was a good victory, but there's just so much that le- so much to be desired there. Let me hop back to – Tomlin real quick because 
it's so funny that you go year in and year out and the guy, he just is what he is and it never changes. And yes, he adjusts strategy wise and he does adjust, you know, the way he handles players and stuff. So I'm not saying that he doesn't adjust. And I do think he is a great head coach. He's a really good head coach. I've always said that he's not like the upper tier, like the upper, upper echelon of the, of the mega coaches or whatever, but He's a guy who needs – if he has great coordinators, like even when he had Arians who I had problems with and LeBeau, they're going to Super Bowls. He knows how to manage teams. He knows how to get his team up for a game. Every year that we've watched Tomlin coach, there's a game like this. Okay, the Steelers, they've been beating up on these inferior teams. They don't have a good quarterback. They're playing at home. The Colts are second place in the AFC. They shouldn't win this game. Of course they're going to play well in that game because Tomlin has a way of getting teams ready to play in those games. And then he also has the habits of like of being the worst challenger in the history of the NFL, completely mismanaging the clock in the fourth quarter where the game becomes way too big and fast for him, not having any plan with your timeouts or he he just spazzes out into the fourth quarter and game management. And those things you can always count on to be true on the bad side with the game management and on the good side with the overall a readiness of a team to play a big game. So this game was such a microcosm of Tomlin's career. I feel like. Uh, certainly the, I mean, it, it's hard for me to argue on the, the challenges. I mean, we get the benefit of seeing it 17 times before. I mean, Tomlin has to well, throw the flag, that, but that's not it. No, he doesn't because on defensive pa- on pass interference, this guy is on the competition committee who decides what the rules are. Defensive pass interference, the NFL has made it abundantly clear that they're not going to change those calls on the field. Before, ironically enough, T.Y. Hilton and the Colts got a pass interference call reversed or a pass interference that didn't get called on the field that challenged last week or two weeks ago. And they said, oh, actually, it turns out he was reviewed. We're going to overturn this. Before that happened, the, the NFL was one for 36 since week two in overturning these calls. They've made it clear that we're not overturning this pass interference thing anymore. This really is a rule that's only to prevent a Saints-Rams type of obvious disaster. And so you challenged the first one. I don't have a huge problem with that because the game was lying in the balance. Um, I don't like it. But I can kind of excuse that. The second one, they just showed you that they're not going to overturn them. And the second one that he challenged was even flakier, even less of a pass interference than the first one. And you'd already lost your timeout. And then you just throw the other timeout in the garbage. So by that point, you you before you ruin that timeout, you pretty much were guaranteed that you were at least going to get the ball back for a chance to win the game after the Colts inevitably scored. But when you threw that timeout away, you, it was like, oh, my God, not only do we not have timeouts, we're not going to get the ball back and they can actually run it back and, uh, and and win the game because you don't know how to use timeouts for challenges. No, Nick, you're playing checkers. Tom was playing chess. He knew that Vinatieri was going to miss anything that was presented to him. So that last one where hmm. we probably – our guy, hmm. was that Johnson that we – who uh, he was doing the challenge for? On that last one where really there was no pass interference – I mean there was no pass interference and in that uh, pass no, on no, the left no, sideline. No. Nelson, you're thinking of an offensive play and we're talking about a defensive play. You're okay. talking about Deontay? Anyway. Sorry. Anyways, yeah. moving on. What do you think? Can I just go macro for a second? Yeah. It's overwhelming. Are we, are we just, are we 
creating momentum and hope where no hope should exist. <laughs> Next week, play, we play the Rams. And then we go AFC North three games in a row. Browns, Bengals, Browns. I think – so the Steelers have no chance of winning the Super Bowl. That, that's It's literally <laughs> impossible. It's been impossible since Ben went out. Um, and that's fine. But there's still a lot to look forward to in the season. They could make the playoffs, especially if the Ravens lose this week and especially with how the Browns are playing. Actually, at the time of us recording this, the Browns game should have just ended and you guys are probably going to be – yeah, the Browns lost again. The Browns are two and six. The Steelers are two games ahead of them. So there's a lot of good things that can come from this team. I just think uh, um, as far as you saying creating hope or whatever, like my hope is that, dude, if they can make a playoff run, that's unbelievable. Like you're really setting yourself up for next year when Ben comes back um, to have an awesome team because you've got young studs on defense and some young contributors on offense and everything like that too. So I don't think it's uh, – it's false hope. I think the Steelers have a really good team. Uh, I think they're going to struggle against the upper echelon of people, uh, but it's just um, – it's going to be ugly, you know, because you don't have a guy on offense who can put the nail in the coffin. Well, I hate to try to predict, but we do play the Brown- – I mean, the Bengals, what, that's a winnable game. I mean, just not saying we will or we won't, but that's a winnable game. Uh, I would say the Patriots are not winnable, just if we're com- trying to compare how I'm right. making my decision. They're here. all winnable. Brown- Every game that the Steelers play, they don't play the Patriots or the Saints or like one of those upper tier teams. So like they have a chance in every game they play for the rest of the year. Yeah, as a matter of fact, so the Browns, hopefully you can split that. I mean, the Browns, Yeah, I mean, you could anything could happen. But I, I would say if you could split the Browns, great. Uh, you should be able to beat the Bengals, the Cardinals, you should win. Uh, the Bills, big question mark. And the Jets, geez, we beat you, Miami, you beat so hopefully we can beat the Jets. They just lost and after the that, Dolphins. then we meet the Ravens. So that's when the rubber hits the road. Yeah, so I don't think it's false hope. What we said before this week is if you can go one-in-one one versus the Colts and the Rams, you're going to be in good shape going forward. you got you got to take like half of those games that you shouldn't win or whatever. And I'm not saying they don't have a chance against the Rams either. Um, the Rams should definitely you're be telling me you have a chance. Right. So. Sorry. Anyways, uh, no, don't be you're, you because you're right. You're saying there's a chance. So I don't know. I think we're a little bit all over the place in this episode today, but kind of rightfully so because it's such a confusing game to have watched. And I got to rewatch the game. And maybe we'll put out some more info later this week once we've kind of digested it. But I think you've made it plain and clear, clear, right, with some of the stats you were looking at. The offense is sort of just objectively not good right now. Um, and the defense, I think – got a little bit abused by Frank Reich a little bit more because you're seeing how open so many of those people are. So obviously there's a lot of things to be concerned with in the game, but there are some huge positives as well. And this defense, while they got a little bit abused by Frank Reich, you see that with all the open passes that they got and open running lanes and all these check down guys that were wide open because you're creating all this misdirection. The Steelers have some absolute freak shows and the next era of Steelers defense might be upon us led by Minka Palomalu and TJ Harrison and Devin Shazier. No, Devin Bush has been a little bit quiet recently, but that's okay. He's a rookie. Yeah. So uh, Minka Fitzpatrick was worth the trade. I'm pretty sure because his 96 yard pick six 
that was surreal as a Steelers fan to watch. Like I've watched 96 yard touchdowns to Juju and Martavis and guys like that. We see that, but a Steelers defensive back intercepting a pass in the red zone and running it for a touchdown at Heinz field. Like we haven't seen that in forever. Like obviously Willie Gay had a couple nice ones, but this guy is the real deal. And he's barely played at all for the Steelers. He is the first Pittsburgh defensive back with four plus interceptions in a single season since 2010. Troy, obviously. And oh yeah, he's only played seven games. And that one today might've been his nicest interception of the season. He just totally baited Hoyer into throwing that ball. They completed that post for a touchdown earlier in the game. He knew Hoyer was going to look to it. He baited him there, went, caught the ball at the high point, full speed, returned it to the house. He did that a lot at Alabama. And he's just made an enormous difference for a Pittsburgh defense that I think has like 20 turnovers already on the season. Can we start with the fact that he caught the ball? Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't that spectacular. I think the other part of that, I I saw James Harrison on the right side of the screen come out and make a final block. (laughs) <laughs> which turned out to be Ola Diniate, but uh, right. which is fantastic. It was it was a perfect interception and run back. Was- he might have to keep number thirty nine now because he's making too many highlights. I think, um, yeah. So he's a he might be a superstar. I mean, this guy is really coming along to and just living up to his draft stock, and. He's made a huge difference. TJ Watts is one of the best pass rushers in the league. He's obviously one of the top 10, and he might be even a little bit higher than that. I'm not going to say he's a Bosa brother or something like that, but he is not far off. He is dominating the fourth quarter of games. He stopped them on that penultimate drive with the sack on like second down or first down. And then he broke through the line again. And if he didn't get held by the back of his jersey, he would have had two consecutive sacks on what was – the Colts attempting a game winning drive in the fourth quarter. So he is, he can do everything. That's the thing about him. The scouting report on him coming out of Wisconsin is despite the fact that he had only played defensive end or outside linebacker for like a year or two, he was actually very nuanced in his pass rush moves. And then obviously he has a great athletic pedigree. He's a freaking Watt. He's big, he's fast and everything. And that's exactly what he's turned into. He has so many moves. He has so many counters. He's playing a small game with the tackles on each individual snap where, you know, he's make he's setting up outside leverage to counter back inside. We saw that last week with a nice sack where he, He basically juked the guy to the outside and came inside to make a sack. And then he's playing long games with them over the course of the game where he's setting them up with certain moves. And then by the time they get to the fourth quarter, he's really capitalizing it. So I capitalizing on it. Excuse me. I just think uh, some of these stars on defense for Pittsburgh, they are really just carrying the team right now and and making these huge plays. Because if Minka didn't make that pick six, it was 10 to three at that time. And the Colts were going in easily to make it 17 to three. And I think at that point you're out of the game. I mean, we've already pointed how flaccid the Steelers offense is right now. And if Minka makes the interception, but he doesn't score, I still think you're probably going to lose. Cause you're not going to, the offense isn't going to punch the ball in on that drive. And so that's just the kind of play that we haven't had in Pittsburgh since really Ryan Shazier. But, I mean, this is huge. And you have multiple guys who are doing that because T.J. Watt is totally right now on the level that Harrison and Woodley and those guys were at as well. Well, you know, when you talk about T.J. Watt, the fact is he is the full package, right? He's got the athleticism. We've seen athleticism, i.e. Bud Dupree, who we will get to in a second. 
Uh-huh. But that athleticism until now hasn't translated into performance. We've right. seen instinct and we've seen IQ, i.e. Dirty Red. Matikavich right. knows exactly what to do. He's totally effective on special teams, but we get worried when he's on the field. But TJ has technique. I mean, he should be a coach when he's done. He has the technique yeah. coupled with the athleticism. And that shows. And I, you know, we'll, we'll see how he compares to the Boses over time. And Boses seem to be at a different level. But uh, I, I would take not him much, all day though. long. Can I just rewind? Yeah, I don't. I agree. Not much, you. if any. And I'd just like to rewind. Where is the argument about Minka Fitzpatrick being chosen? I mean, uh, you gave up. Basically, you do have a first-round draft pick. You took some of the depreciation off the tires because we got to see how he could perform, and he's doing that in Pittsburgh. And he's doing it at a higher level because he loves being in Pittsburgh, as all players do when they come. Yes, obviously. He he hasn't said that with his mouth, but he said it with his eyes, okay? Yeah, the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, you know, I I get it. it. The argument is that Ben's at the end of the career. The Steelers never pick in the top 10. Even Ben was number 11, and it's going to be really difficult for you to find your next franchise quarterback, and this might be your only opportunity to draft high. Well, guess what? The Steelers are not going to be drafting in the top 10 if they keep this up. And if you take the Ben thing out of the equation, because we all know that they're they're keeping Ben. Ben's got another year or two left in him, and if he picks up where he left off last season, I know the, the Patriots game wasn't good, but that's just the first game. He always starts slow. Um, but if he picks up where he was playing against the Saints in, you know, late last year, the Steelers are going to be right in the Super Bowl mix again. So we know that they're not worried about selecting that quarterback just yet. They also had high hopes for Mason Rudolph for, like, this exact reason. He's technically a pedigree type of quarterback. Otherwise, if you take that stuff out of the equation – this was taking candy from a baby. This was like a weird scenario. This reminded me almost when the Patriots got Randy Moss from the Raiders, where there's just like these weird extenuating circumstances where Moss was this mercurial character with, you know, they say personality issues. He's actually a re- really good guy and good teammate, but, you know, he, he he's a diva wide receiver. He goes to Oakland, and they're so incredibly bad that they're not able to take advantage of his talent. So it sort of seems like, oh, Randy Moss is over the hill. We'll just give him to the Patriots for nothing. And then you realize like, oh, no, this is Randy Moss. And with Miami, they're doing a historical tank job where people are jumping off the boat like like rats in the plague era. I don't know. I guess they would want to stay on the on the boat. But either way, people are jumping off of the boat. And they're, they're, they're giving you a guy who's a top 10 – player in the draft and i'm not going to say he's like a generational talent it wasn't like an andrew luck thing but he definitely was considered uh probably since jalen ramsey was like he's like the safest defensive back prospect so he's a big time prospect and um you're getting him in the second year uh of his career with a fifth year option and it's just it was like taking candy from a baby so like you said first round yes please i mean this guy's worth the first round pick easy and now he's proven but but who knew he would do this well dad right and this is insane how well he's doing well better to have seen him for one year rather than have seen him only in college i mean that's sort of the problem look at haskins and with the redskins who is it and i keep quoting this and i've got to get this guy's name when they evaluate quarterbacks, they want to see seven different things. And one of them is more oh, than yeah. starting for more than Parcells. one year. Parcells. Yeah. 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 yeah and, and then he also, had a, he also played for the Redskins. So that's not helping either, but, but you're right. You got a chance to at least see Minka uh, on the same field as NFL players. 
Nope, it's breaking up. Can you hear me? We're back. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. We're going to record locally and broadcast globally. Plus, keep a small carbon footprint and love children and animals. Well, I do, and and I got something to broadcast globally to you right now. I got to broadcast about the magic of Manscaped. I I still don't believe this is a thing. It's a thing because you don't want to nip your ball bag when you're down there. Let's be real, gentlemen. Just as Edward Scissorhands trimmed those hedges into works of art, you too can be an artist with Manscaped, even if you have little to no artistic ability when it comes to hand-eye coordination because Manscaped makes it easy. They're the number one dudes in terms of men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Do not read, it says on the prompter here. Damn it, what did I tell you, people? Anything you put on the prompter, Burgundy will read. And thus, he read this next part. Talk about a time when you've heard... Listen, I don't even want to talk about it. You guys all have a visceral reaction, but there's nothing worse than dinging the moneymakers. You know it. I know it. It's a source of power, and it's a source of weakness. And Manscaped makes sure that you don't mess it up. Because... I don't know. They just it's it's great. We've used this stuff before. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past thanks to these dudes. Don't use the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your balls there. That's a little Bill Burr. Uh, that's just nasty, they say. It's not nasty. It's just a way of the past. Let, let's all be honest. It, you got to do it when you're in a pinch, but now you don't because Manscaped's got it, and they'll give you 20% off and free shipping if you use the code armchair at manscaped.com so now you really have no excuse it's affordable you can always use the right tools for the job when you're using manscaped and uh yeah anyways honestly i suggest it there you go your lady will thank you we'll thank you for recommending us with that armchair code at manscaped.com and uh go get yourself cleaned up you know i may be giving away a secret but i think mom's getting you the lawnmower 2.0 for christmas for your stocking stuffer it's a new I just age. want to make sure you don't get Mothers it for yourself. Mothers can get their son. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this well, a thing? Use the code armchair. 20% off, baby. Hey, you know, one other thing I was keeping track of during the game is how the defense got put behind the eight ball so early. When you look at the first, you know, the first half, Indianapolis was in our, was in our backyard within at most two plays. Steelers yeah. the first the first interception obviously throw that out. They started at their own thirty seven two years two plays later they were in our territory. They were at the thirty five then the twenty five. It took a play each to be in our territory. So not to let the defense off the hook because I, I was very troubled by uh, run defense and pass defense. But we could talk about that. <laughs> yeah, they, like defense. Well, the, the Colts, thing is, Colts, had, uh, sorry, Colts were launching. The, the con, Colts were launching from way past twenty-five or, or got downfield real quick. Yeah, and the Colts are a bad matchup for the Steelers' defense because the strength of the Steelers' defense is the front line, and the strength of the Colts' defense is the Great Wall of Indianapolis, not to mention they have a good offensive coordinator who can take advantage of Keith Butler and Mike Tomlin. So it's a tough um, 
it's a tough uh, matchup in general. And, and the Colts did make it look a little easy. I'm glad that, you know, they didn't have Brissett in there. I don't think that Hoyer is like a tremendous drop off from Brissett, but you got to think he might've taken care of the ball a little bit better, made another play here or there. And I mean, I bet you if you're in Indianapolis, you're really upset that it's not Andrew Luck there because that's a whole nother story. But Either way, you know what else I just so, – so, yeah, that's just kind of where I was at with the defense. Hey, we knew it would be tough sledding. The Colts are a better team than the Steelers. I think the rosters are, are relatively similar. I even think the Steelers actually might have a better – I think the Steelers do have a better roster. But when you have, you know, the issue, you know, with a very young QB, like what the Steelers are going through, it it really takes the quality down of your roster in general. I mean, these – the Colts are going to be playing – I don't know. They're, they're second place in the AFC before they came in there. So yeah, uh, the Steelers got away with some lucky things for sure. Also, the how about the the man? I, there's so much to talk about here. I feel so unorganized because I wanted to mention the the Colts fumbling on the safety punt and the Steelers recovering, and then Mason Rudolph, as I put on Twitter, leads the Steelers on three play field goal drive, heroic three play field goal drive which is my way of saying Mace Rudolph gets the ball at the 20-yard line gift-wrapped and goes three and out, and we have to kick a field goal instead of stabbing them in the jugular like you should have done. But either way, the Colts, yeah, they made some major gaffes, but that's also kind of part of, you know, Tomlin – Tomlin's team being a little bit more ready to get after it than the Colts were. And, yeah, if you're going to pull an upset, which this game was, you're going to need some of those things to bounce your way. And they did, but uh, – yeah, I'm with you on the defense. They didn't do a great job of really stopping the Colts. Hopefully they learn from this a little bit. Do you want to talk about uh, the overall offensive performance here? I got a little section on this rundown if you see this. Uh, I got a couple different things here. But while we're on defense, we might as well switch over to uh, to the offense, huh? Let's finish defense because – Do you have anything I else? I, I'm kind of – I do. I have one stat. Okay. 66.666% of That's his tackles were sacks. Bud Dupree, three tackles. Two oh, of them were sacks. Yes. Two tackles for loss. He hit the quarterback three times. He forced and recovered a fumble. Who is this man? Who is Alvin? This is Alvin. Bud is dead. Alvin has risen. And I'm an idiot. And this is the, the, the problem with doing the podcast the day of the game. Like sometimes when you do it. Alvin Dupree. We can call it AB after Bud as well if you want to do that. But um, no, do not say those combination of letters in my presence. But this is the tough part about doing the podcast uh, after a game. And I really like doing it because it's kind of fun getting to talk about it the day of. Still really juiced up from it. But sometimes a night of sleep kind of helps for the organization. I almost forgot to talk about Bud who is completely earning himself a new contract. And at first I've been really happy seeing – this guy has legitimately just gotten better. There are some people are in Twitter who are I don't I honestly don't think these people think they know what they're talking about. I think they just want to contribute to the discussion, but people saying like, "Oh, the Steelers are finally using Bud in the right way." It's, no, people can get better, and he was not that good for a long time. He had no pass rush plan. He had no moves. He's a big fast guy who would run around the quarterback and the quarterback would step up in the pocket. The guy has gotten better at playing football and he's worked on his craft and of course like you and i were saying in the preseason he worked through some pretty major injuries the past few years and he's more healthy so that's a big part of it too but he is a stud and now i'm more angry at him than i was when he was bad because why are you going to be a stud now when we're not going to be able to pay you and ben's hurt so it's sort of a lost season and 
damn it, bud. I don't so I don't know what, what's going on, but it is good for him to see. He actually got a little choked up in a post game interview today when uh, somebody asked him about you know how does it feel to be performing so well in a contract year, and he got for a second a little choked up and, and worked through it. And that's awesome because this guy has taken so much hate. You got to be happy for him, but also as a Steelers fan, man, they are like just him and TJ on the run defense. Unbelievable. They, they, they might be the two best run defending uh, edge, t- like the best run defending edge tandem in the league. And they're a great pass rushing tandem. And like you said, two sacks, the fourth fumble and recovered on that one. He is, he's been killing it. And it's like I said, this, this defense is being led by star players right now. And bud, at least today deserves to be on that list. Damn you, bud. And your improvement too late for Damn us to keep improvement. you. Okay, All right, let's so move just back to offense. Quick. I yeah. was uh, actually one. I don't know if this is a record, but it a uh, we're talking about thirteen for thirteen targets and receptions from a running back. When's the last time that happened? I don't know. Never. That's pretty good. Do you have the answer, or is it rhetorical? I think uh, didn't we didn't we say that? Um, Le'Veon no. had that prior. No, Bell, you know the and, numbers. Bell and Franco had 12 catches in a game, but I don't know if they had 12 catches on 12 targets. Jalen had 13 catches on 13 targets. He was, he was very effective. He's kind of like a James White light. So, yeah, if we're talking about the overall offensive performance, I do have a lot to say in general about running backs. Jalen Samuels, he's up and down. People don't know what they're watching with this, especially with running backs because they just look at numbers. And I think the fact that he had – um, that uh, 130 yard game against the Patriots and, and we beat them is going to forever cement him in Steelers fans heads as like, okay, Jerome Bettis, uh, Franco Harris, Le'Veon Bell and Jalen Samuels. And those are the best running backs we've seen. And then somewhere later is Barry Foster and Willie Parker. But I like Jam- Jalen Samuels a lot. I think of him as like a James white light, you know, a guy in new England, who's not the fastest guy, or strongest guy, but he's quick and smooth and great at catching the ball. And Jalen Samuels is that he's very economical when he runs, but just another day with a critical late game fumble. So we've had like three of those this year from Juju Connor. Connor's obviously already had three over the course of two years. And now Jalen lets them back in the game with a critical fumble in our own territory. It's brutal. I love the catches that he gets. He's a very useful running back. He is not a number one running back. And if you guys think he's the number one running back, then go watch some other games and watch Christian McCaffrey or even or Kamara or even watch um, like I'm trying to think of someone else who's who's just like good but not great. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not I'm not inspired. Chris Carson. Well, Chris Carson is pretty damn good in Seattle. But either way, you needed somebody who can do something uh, extra extraordinary physically and somebody who's not going to fumble at the damn end of the game. And I think that the Steelers, they I'm starting to think they have a little bit of a running back issue because I think James Conner is a very good back, but he has shown truly he cannot make it through a full NFL season. He's never done it. I don't think he ever can do it. And these fumbles at the end of the game are a big deal. And Tomlin said after the game that uh, he didn't know anything about the Steelers inquiring after Bell or he said, like, I don't think that we did. 
I know that everyone's up in arms talking about this. I know he's not going to come back to Pittsburgh, but it just sort of seems to me. I mean, obviously the trade deadline's over now, but next year, this is something they got to look at because you got a starter who's a good player who can't make it through a full season. And then the backup, that's what Jalen Samuels is. We're not going to replace Connor with Samuels, but I don't know if what Le'Veon's, you know, what the trade price is going to be and the fire sale that might happen in New York after this. But I'd look at the goat if I were you. And, and if not him, then I don't know, somebody else who you can have as a committee type of running back. If, you know, Connor, you know, doesn't play all 16 games. I love Connor as a starting running back, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Just that late game fumble was so brutal for Samuels. Somehow they brought in Brooks James. Sounds like a first and a last name, but it's not. Yeah, they need someone good. That's what I'm saying. It, it, well, either way, just overall offensive performance, it's underwhelming. It's the same story. I think this is going to be the story pretty much all year. Hopefully they can prove us wrong, but there is zero downfield passing attack. So that hurts the receivers. It hurts the Steelers' ability to move the ball down the field. You can't just have five-yard gains every single play and score over 20 points a game just with these 12-play drives. It's impossible. And then it hurts the run game because the defense knows that you – like as long as they stop the run game, then you literally don't have anything. So very underwhelming. It was an incredible game by James Washington, who had three catches that would all be 10 out of 10 on the on the catch scale. He is dying. He is screaming for someone to please throw me the damn ball and I will catch it, even if it's four feet behind me or I have to double catch it with the guy jumping on my back. Huge game from him. Thank goodness. I feel good because – it must be tough being patient with him. He, I, I just think he would have really broken out this year if he had someone throwing him the ball. But it was nice to uh, to see him break out a little bit. Yeah, it's a, it's a, such a huge positive, right? We're waiting for him to emerge, and it seems like all he needs is a quarterback and get him the ball. Yeah. Quack. quack, um, quack. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jordan Berry. What's the success story, sort of? You're going to talk about Jordan before the other guy? Yeah, because we, we're, we're not going to jinx this. Oh, you're right. Good call. Uh, yeah, other players Jordan, played well, too. Anyway, Jordan Barry, Barry great twice. punt at the end of the game. You know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm actually looking on the on the game book for, like, Jordan only kicked once. Well, they actually kicked twice, but they count the other one as a kickoff, obviously, which it did. Oh, right. Fine. Well, his, but, his one punt would pin them way down in their own zone at the very end of the game. It was crucial. He's been having a great year. Right. So kicks and returns. Okay. Kick returns. Switzer. You know what? We complain about Switzer. Good hands. Hmm? Make it stop. You want, with you want somebody else in there. Yeah, I love Switzer. He's such a great guy. I, I, it's weird how he's regressed. He was better last season. He actually had some pretty good games returning and on offense, but – I don't know what it is. He's regressed. And Deontay Johnson, the fact that he's not back there returning kicks and punts absolutely blows my mind. Even there was even a little screen pass he took where he shook a guy out of his shoes to take a four yard loss into a three yard gain. And he's got such explosion. He was a great returner in college. He's done it before. And I don't know why Tomlin won't put him back here. And it's just the same thing where you couldn't rely on Tomlin to mismanage timeouts. You can rely on Tomlin to get his team up for big games. You can rely on Tomlin to win on Monday night in Pittsburgh. You can rely on Tomlin to, uh, you know, if, if he has a really Give good a press, team, he's going to lose. Give a press conference and say nothing. 
<laughs> yeah, you can count on him to lose to bad teams when he has a really good team. And you can definitely count on him to totally overthink the kick returner situation at every available turn. My only thought for why he doesn't have Johnson back there returning is maybe he's like he doesn't want a rookie back there handling the ball. And he doesn't care if we don't gain any yards on kick returns or punt returns just as long as we don't fumble. Well, it's like, well, when is the guy going to get experience returning punts if you're not going to give it now? Like, especially in this year where Ben's not playing, this is a great time to experiment. This guy is night and day a different athlete than a Switzer. And it's also frustrating seeing Deontay Spencer, who actually in, in Denver, he fumbled today and got the Browns back in the game late. But like, how is that guy not on the team over Switzer? Switzer, it's been eight games. I think we've seen everything we need to see. He's just not athletic enough to get away from people on offense or special teams. You know what? You're overthinking it because Switzer is 18 years old. We have him for another 10 years. He's not going to fumble anything. He's going to protect the ball. We've seen evidence when you don't have a guy who can catch. But I think what you were alluding to before is Chris Boswell. He played really well. Four field goals, two extra points. And the biggest field goal of the year is a 51-yarder at the end of the first half, where I said on Twitter that yeah. Okay, okay, anyways, it was his first pressure kick of the season, and he made it, and it was a 51-yarder. It was brilliant. Anyways, do you have any other uh, thoughts just overall in the game? Uh, guys, I'm sorry. We were all over the place today, honestly, but I think we covered a lot of the bases, and we probably are echoing, uh, hopefully, how you guys felt after watching some of this because it's a, it's a weird game to analyze. Like You should feel great about the win, and we do, and there's a lot of positive, but we acknowledge that it was sloppy, uh, and it's not one of those super satisfying ones that you come out of saying like, oh, maybe we were sloppy in the first half, but by the way you played in the second half, it, you know, it came all together. It wasn't like that. So I just think, you know, Tomlin did a great job getting his team ready to play and winning that game. And then Tomlin giveth and Tomlin taketh away with his complete mismanagement of the clock and the game at the end of the year or at the end of the fourth quarter. And newsflash rely on that happening more in the future because it will happen i think that mason rudolph still just leaving much to be desired we need to see this guy complete some passes down the field and uh it's good that they're getting a long hard look at him this year because so far it's not looking great um but of course he's got some more opportunities to do it and then i think the defense uh you got some real stars over there i hope this year oh this is the other thing i was gonna say dad I'm going to keep saying this all year. I don't want Tomlin and Rooney and Colbert to let good be the enemy of great because I think that – I don't think there's any chance they would get rid of Feetner because Ben's going to want his guy there. And and Feetner had a good year when Ben was the quarterback, so maybe that's okay. Um, I don't think he's horrible when Ben's in there. You know, he, he caught, They have a wide variety of plays and stuff like that. But I'm scared that this Steelers defense is putting up such great numbers that they're not going to fire Keith Butler – and I just think that you can find – why don't you find the next great guy and combine him with this fantastic maybe Super Bowl caliber defense and and get that ready for the future. But, um, yeah, because I, I think uh, just when I'm talking about these high-arching concepts here, there are some stars on that defense, and, and it's encouraging going forward. Well, I've told you all multiple times, one of my prayers is that God will send me back as a fly on the wall in these coaches meetings to find out exactly why yeah. the decisions that they make are derived at. And we will know the answers to that. And then having said that, we'll be very frustrated with the logic probably. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It's weird. Hey. It feels like you're going to lose two young stars in, in Hargrave and bud, and then you're going to keep, you know, to it 
in, in some of these older guys. Uh, Tua's not, obviously not old, but hopefully he recovers from that pec injury. Uh, Hayward re- re- recovered brilliantly from that, had his best year ever. So hopefully he's back in the fold, and, and that's that. But, uh, yeah, I, don't hey, know. Look, I mean, it's a little early for that. I think uh, we don't acknowledge it, but uh, the Washington Nationals won the World Series this past week. That's right. And we don't acknowledge it because it is baseball, but it's no noteworthy. And I live in that city and I'm happy for them. But the point is they're going to lose a ton of players and immediately Strasburg having finished the parade, probably walked out of his convertible and said, no, I'm not going to take advantage of my four year, hundred million dollar option. That's, that's just the way of sports. So it's going to break. We're going to lose some guys. We're going to keep some guys. And uh, I think on the whole, the Steelers do a pretty good job of, balancing talent you know you you are going to lose guys and it's disappointing because we'd love to keep them but we got Minka Fitzpatrick and Boswell has been reborn I I feel like they'll I just feel like they're not going to lose both of those guys the the Bell and Brown things those were like extenuating circumstances those were really weird exceptions we're all seeing obviously with Brown that's now become like a historical NFL exception and then with Bell he was the first one to really leverage the the holdout in that type of capacity. And there are these huge stars, uh, egomaniac, huge stars, you know, bell, obviously less than, than Brown, but, um, those were just weirder. You guys, we told you we're recording in the laundry room, but, uh, those were, those were different situations. The Steelers, you're right. They have a tendency of keeping, keeping the guys somehow, some way. So we'll see, uh, whether Le'Veon Bell is back in the Steelers. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. <laughs> 